This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Welcome back to Knowledge at Wharton here on a Friday. Glad to have you with us. I'm Dan Loney. Like many food companies, Kraft is having to deal with the rising costs for product as well as the changing wants and needs of their consumers. So how do you handle this task when you have to look out for some 30 different brands? It would seem to be a bit of a daunting task. Barry Calpino is the vice president for Breakthrough Innovation for Kraft Foods, and he joins us from their company's offices near Chicago. Barry, thanks for coming on here on Knowledge at Warden. It's great to be here. Great to have you on the show. Thanks very much for coming on. Well, let's start with the actual the concept of breakthrough breakthrough innovation. Yeah, breakthrough innovation. It's, uh, I mean, part of it is uh, you know there's some a lot of uh, definition around it, but a lot of it is also uh, there's an intention behind the, the the term and the title, and it's to get our uh, really to push our, our organization and our innovation teams to shoot for bigger uh, opportunities, more incremental white space, new categories. Uh, new use educations. Uh, we have teams that work on, you know, some of the closer in uh, extensions of current brands. But my, you know, my charge and my push is to really push the organization and 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 lead, uh, making sure that we deliver on uh, big, big, uh, big innovations that help grow, uh, not just grow our brands here at Kraft, but grow grow categories that what, we're in. What kind of examples are you talking about? Yeah, I mean the one that I guess the poster child, the one that we we use here internally to kind of teach everyone the concept is uh, we launched a brand called Mio about three years ago, and Mio started out as a uh, a real close-in idea, and it was a it started out as a liquid version of our Crystal Light powder, mm-hmm. uh, and it was going to be uh, marketed that way, and. Uh, via a, a lot of changes we'd made in the company in terms of how we were thinking about and approaching uh, innovation. And we made it uh, one of these big, big bets and big breakthrough projects uh, with our beverage division. And we decided rather than just make it a, a close-in extension of a current business, we said let's let's really conceptually uh, launch this as a new, totally new category idea, which is liquid water enhancers and go after all the water uh, usage occasions there are uh, in in the U.S. both tap water and bottled water, and look at Mio as an opportunity to accompany all those occasions, not just people who currently buy powdered uh, liquid, you know, powdered uh, mix-ins for their liquids. But let's really think bigger. And so we launched Mio as a new idea, a new brand, a new category, um, and the it's one. You know, almost any every imaginable innovation award you can win. But more importantly, for us as a company and for our, our retailers we work with, it's created literally a new category. So you walk into the store today, there's a whole section of these liquid water enhancers, yep. and I think it's over 800 million dollar uh, total category uh, worldwide. Uh, three years into it, and and most of it has been going after. Uh, incremental usage occasion. So it's been a, a big, a big win for everybody who's been involved. And that's the that's the concept of breakthrough innovation: is thinking bigger and thinking broader and yeah. going aggressively. Kraft spent 
We spent over $50 million launching Mio, the most we'd ever spent on a launch. But more importantly, we continued to invest the second year, the third year, and now the fourth year because these big ideas don't just um, – they don't just happen overnight. You have to stick with them, and you have to stick uh, invest in them. And you have to continue to build them as well. Absolutely. The number one lesson learned. I've, I've been in the innovation game one way or another in consumer products almost 20 years, and the, and the number one consistent cause of failure is not investing in a good idea beyond just the launch period. Sure. You have to stay with it. And the, the the ones I've been part of that have been big wins have been where we've stuck with it, we've invested behind it, and we've realized that to get something new to stick, it doesn't just happen quickly. You have to be you have to have staying power. I wanted to ask you about the company in general because I, I was on the website the other day and I found it interesting that you have it on there that, that Kraft was started in nineteen oh three but remade in twenty twelve. <laughs> You want yeah. you want to you want to break that down for yeah. us? Yeah, we split off. Uh, the company split, and the the international business and 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 what was our Nabisco business and our mm. our chewing gum business was split off as a separate company called Mondelez. And what was yeah. left behind was the traditional craft brands that many consumers would know, and it's a U.S. company. And you know, we decided let's not just you know treat this as a transaction. You know, for Wall Street, let's let's really make a big deal about this for our, our company culture and our employees. And I talk a lot about how important culture is to innovation and, and your performance as a company. And so we decided in 2012 when we made the split, we celebrated it, and we t- and we we had signs up that are still everywhere in our company about we were remade in 2012. And we've tried to really encourage a fresh uh, mindset amongst our employees to say, look. We have these tremendous old brands, but we need to think fresh every day to make them current and relevant because, as you know, consumers consumers are constantly evolving and changing, sure. and your brands have to keep up with that. There's a, an interesting video that I actually saw of uh, an interview that you did, and you brought up an interesting concept, and, and it really played with me after I thought about it for a couple of minutes, but it, it's understanding that whatever products you're putting out there to, to customers – that it's almost one of the most important things to understand what your customers hate <laughs> about your product. Yes, it's one of my favorite topics, and yeah. it's one that gets the, the strongest reaction because, you know, it's I think it's human nature that you want to focus on what people love about you. Sure. And, and you know, we, we, it's it's painful sometimes to get that negative feedback, but. You know, I've studied this, and uh, I have a whole presentation on all these innovations that were born out of companies who just were willing to be open about, hey, let's ask you, what, what, where is the pain in the experience of our product? What do you hate about our category? What do you hate about it? And then that becomes the fodder for great innovation. The, sure. the two classic examples I always throw out is um, Campbell's Soup did a big study in the 70s of uh, literally a quantitative study of what do you hate about soup, and the number one uh, complaint was that the pieces were too small the, the of meat. Right, so right. So they launched this brand called Chunky Soup, which is still on the market, you know, 40 years later, and very few new products stick around for 40 years. And it, I used to work at, at the Wrigley Company, and we did the same research in the in the 80s. And the number one complaint was that the flavor didn't last long enough. We literally created the brand Extra Gum out of that research, and Extra was the number 
one brand uh, of chewing gum for about 25 years in the U.S. The one that you may relate to and many uh, consumers relate to today, my favorite that I use all the time today is the Uber uh, Uber company and the Uber sure. app. Uh, the story behind it are two guys that just hated the taxi cab experience in San Francisco and uh, and they broke it down and they their hate uh, led to their innovation and you think of all the things you hate about a taxi cab experience Uber t- literally flips every one of them over so uh, being open to it can be a, a tremendous source of, uh, of innovation ideas the numbers so far in terms of sales tied to new product innovation are pretty good for for craft the number I read was about 13 percent of, of all the revenue yeah, we were around six, six and a half percent five years ago. We finished, we got over 13 percent. We've doubled our uh, sales from new products. We've won four Nielsen Breakthrough uh, Awards, which are the less than a third of one percent of all the new products that launch each year get get the Nielsen Awards. And and it's a function of we 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 when we were around six percent, um, you know, we made a decision as a company we're gonna we we. The current way we're doing things today uh, isn't working, and we're going to look at innovation and approach it very, very differently. And uh, the results so far have borne out that uh, the new approach we've taken has really made a big uh, impact on our innovation results. We feel like we've still got an incredible amount of uh, of room to to grow and to get better at this, um, but we did change our approach, and that's been a big driver of getting us uh, from where we were to where we are. Then, then how do you deal with it uh, on a daily basis? In- in terms of the innovation and, and continuing to grow and, and pushing the new products. How do you do that? Yeah, the, the hardest thing is, if anyone works in innovation, is that the big ideas like Mio, when they say they launch in 2014, a lot of the seed effort and work happens two to three years ahead of time. And a lot of that work is, is not glamorous. And the, the results don't come instantly. And the, the teams that work on those projects their work is what leads to the big the big launches two to three years out. So a big part of my job is to make sure uh, across the whole organization that we're continuously filling our what we call the funnel and the pipeline of new ideas and that we're we're constantly working on the next thing so that we don't wake up one day and say, you know what, we don't have anything. And and a lot of a lot of us who work in consumer products have had those moments on businesses where your management's like, we need we need a new product, and you don't have anything, or you don't have anything exciting, and then you scramble, and then you launch small ideas. So it's being proactive, and it's filling the pipeline, and making sure that we have teams that are well. We have teams in the company launching new products. We also have teams that are building the future because every great idea we launch now some team did great work two to three years ago now now. it's interesting because when you talk about some companies and and they bring out products and their innovation you know apple for for instance they're putting out products directly geared to consumers and the consumers will kind of flock to them with you guys it's a little bit different because of the fact that you have to play to the tastes of the customers and, and in your case, diet habits or, or yes. you know, what? It, so it is, it's a, it really is a different kind of ball game that, that you have to play sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's in common is, you know, your, your, the experience of what you come out with has to be great for the consumer. Sure. But in our, in our case, um, 
tastes and what people are looking for in food constantly evolves. And um, for our innovation to hit home, we have to be like really, really well attuned to what's happening and, and what changes are going on. So we, we spend a lot of time and energy on making sure that all of our innovation teams are up to speed on food trends, culinary trends, um, what consumers are looking for, and whether it's a cleaner ingredient line, fresh or less processed food, yeah. things like gluten-free. You know, you know this, the, the, the things that consumers want in food changes all the time. Sure. And you just, you just have to be on it, and, and you have to try to be uh, ahead of it, too, which is one of the hardest things to do. And I would imagine that, that affects the company as a whole. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Not just not just the innovation, but but the overall approach of what you want to do, and, and probably a lot of the the uh, corporate responsibility programs that you have as well. It does, and it affects the. It has a big effect on where we invest in new technology, sure, uh, and and where we place our bets on. Uh, which brands to invest in. I mean, the, there's one of our, our pride and joys this year is the, the renovation relaunch of Philadelphia cream cheese, and, it, and it's our soft soft brand. And what we've done is we've added a lot more real fruit to the product and real vegetables. And we we have a whole story to the consumer about that it's farm to fridge in just a few days. And, right, right. Uh, and consumers today care so much about that. And yeah. we felt like the Philly team just was so in tune with today's consumer, uh, and we've put a big investment behind that, and, and it's responding wonderfully. And by the way, there's a Wharton alum who led that entire um, relaunch of the Philly brand for what it's worth, uh, a Wharton marketing alum here at Kraft. And um, that's one of our pride and joys. But it's it's all about you got you have to be uh, on top of where where things are going, and you can't you, know, you can't stick your head in the sand, and you got to be responsive. Hey, as somebody that has grown up in this city and and lived most of my life here, <laughs> anything where Philly is good, whether it's the town or the cream cheese, that that's good with me. <laughs> it's one of our best brands in the company, and and it's actually one of the brands that you know millennial consumers will say you know hits a lot of their values in terms of being real. But you you talked about the successes you've had with Mio, but but like Philly cream cheese there are a lot of brands that you have that have been there for a lot of years that ha are are staples with consumers and i would imagine you also have to walk the fine line with making changes to products that people love and have known since they were little kids yeah that's the art that's the art of the uh, what we call renovations in fact you know one of our biggest points of emphasis now at craft is renovating our current brands while we innovate at the same time sure and the, when you renovate a brand it's exactly what you said i mean it's every everybody has of course studied the, the famous new coke case and nobody yeah. wants to be the next person in the in the wharton case study so what so what it's all about is is and what the philly team did beautifully was make the product more relevant and more current but deliver to what people expect and love and, and care about and make sure that everything you do, you run it by your consumers who love your brand. And one of the things that we teach all of our teams is when you, when you mess with a, a current brand, mess with it to make it better amongst the people who love it first. Because if they, if they give you the, the vote of confidence, then, then you're going to bring in also new people back to the franchise, but you don't want to lose the people who love you. So we, um, it's one of the it's one of the trickiest parts of what we do, and uh, people will tell you that when you try to 
renovate and update an iconic brand like a Philadelphia or a, you know, a Kraft Singles, it, it can be really tricky. You mentioned the, the successes with Mio. What's probably the number two on your list in terms of innovation that, that you're most proud of? Yeah, I would say, um, in addition to Mio, I would say probably a tie between Oscar Mayer Selects and Velveeta Cheesy Skillets, because they, they both won sure. Nielsen Breakthrough Awards. They were both $100 million launches. But what they both have in common is they're, they're, they're what people would call you know old brands, and they were brands that some people would say had lost touch with today's consumer. Right. But the teams behind them were totally committed to making them relevant and not accepting that, never accepting that the brand is irrelevant. You know, our CEO's favorite phrase is, one of his favorite phrases, there's no such thing as a tired brand, only tired marketers. And <laughs> the Oscar Mayer team, and one of my favorite expressions from good to great is facing the brutal facts. And the Oscar Mayer team made a call across all their, their whole business that we are going to make Oscar Mayer products more real. Sure. And, and, and so Oscar Mayer Selects took almost every element of their, their product line and they launched products with no artificial preservatives and cleaner ingredients. And it was a monster success. And it's changed how people perceive a, an old brand like Oscar Mayer. Velveeta was a brand that people used to make fun of and people considered it, hey, does Kraft still make Velveeta? And the, not the, not here not here so much in Philadelphia yeah. with Cheese Whiz on the yeah. cheesesteak. It's one of our fastest growing businesses because the team behind it, I mentioned, you know, talking to people who love your brand. You know, I, I'm a big believer in love and hate driving innovation. And sure. the, the haters give you ideas, but then the lovers also give you inspiration. And what we found is that the Velveeta uh, lovers really love the brand. And there was a lot about the brand that we weren't leveraging. And the whole Skillet's dinner line, which was, uh, oh, again, a $100 million award winner, was all grounded in, in what people loved about it. And we had this tagline called liquid gold. And liquid gold is literally how Velveeta lovers describe it. And it, and it delivered a great dinner experience. And it really delivered for a family a strapped family from an economic standpoint, the ability to feed your family uh, at a low price and, the, and with great taste and a great experience. And so we took two of these old brands. I mean, it's sexy to do Mio. Mio for us is like people love to talk about, you know, the, the Apple iPhone. Mio is kind of like that for us. But it's just as rewarding and sometimes more rewarding when you can have really big innovation on brands that you've had for, say, 100 years. So is there one aspect that you're seeing right now with all the brands that, that Kraft has, that one area, one segment, whether it be the, the dinner foods or the, you know, whatever it might be, that has the biggest potential growth in terms of innovation over the, say, the next 10 years or so? You know, it's a good question. I get asked that a lot inside the company. Um, and sometimes that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when you say you're a, you're a high innovation brand, you're a low innovation brand. Sure. I work across all the brands here, and, and I will tell you that um, I walk out of every single uh, review, and, and there's three or four things that I'm incredibly excited about. And, and there, are, there are categories that I may say in my head, this, is, this doesn't have a lot of potential, and then the team shows me three or four great ideas. And right. I think that mindset got us to where in Velveeta we weren't innovating. So, you know, it's a tough one. I mean, there, there are some brands that we have, our, our beverage business ha has had some huge wins, but then I can show you the, you know, the skillets and the selects. So um, 
we see a, there's a lot of potential in our portfolio because we're in categories that are um, in all all parts of consumers' lives. You know, one of our biggest favorite expressions at Kraft is, you know, we, we try to emphasize to all of our employees that we have to earn our place in your life, that sure. we, don't just, we don't just get in your house because we have all these brands. You have to choose our brands, and we have to keep earning it. Just because you bought us 20 years ago doesn't mean you're going to buy us today. So um, that mindset tries to avoid the, hey, you know, we're just going to milk this because it's not as, it doesn't have the potential. You're listening to Knowledge at Warden here on Sirius XM on a Friday. Dan Loney with you. We're joined by Barry Calpino, who is the Vice President for Breakthrough Innovation for Kraft Foods. We're talking about the job that Kraft has been doing uh, in terms of their innovation over the last several years. Mio, as we mentioned, uh, being one of the good examples. You mentioned about, you know, coming out of the meeting and a brand and you thinking maybe there wasn't as much legs there as you thought, but your employees came up with a couple of ideas. That's where that whole team aspect comes in, that you have to have people that buy in right right from the first day. That's culture and that's right. and talent. And and you can have the greatest processes in the world. Um, but usually when you you know, usually when you break down companies that are successful in innovation uh, innovations that are successful on their own, and when you do the post-mortem analysis, usually the talent and the team are at the top of the list. And what you try, what you strive for, and what you live for, and what I live for in, in this role, is we have teams, talent, and culture all over craft that are thinking about what's possible for these brands, and they're not thinking what's not possible. They're thinking, sure. they're thinking, but hey, these are brands that we can keep relevant. We can find big new ideas that we're not going to accept the, the, the fact that this is an old brand. We, we are going to constantly look for ideas. And when you have that mindset all throughout your company, uh, that's when, you know, that's when you've really hit your stride because you know that you never have to work, you know, lay up at night worrying about, are we going to have enough good ideas? Cause you you know that there's really talented people all over the place who are trying to fit, create the future and fill the pipeline. And um, that is by far the most rewarding part of my job is when, when I get to see that energy, because that energy is contagious sure. uh, and it creates momentum. And momentum can go negative, it can go positive, and innovation is so hard that uh, that, that, uh, that aspect really does matter. You know, and it's, it's interesting because your company, like a lot of companies around the country, it's not like, you know, you can rest on your laurels. You, oh you, 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 you really you really can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if you do, somebody, you know, that's doing the same thing in the same industry right. is going to catch you. Right. And everybody's trying to, to connect with the same consumer. Sure. Uh, the, the, the business is, you know, it's, it's out there. The we're all competing for flat to one percent growth. And we sure. want our we want more than our fair share of it. And we all want to grow more than the market. And the one who innovates best usually is the one who wins. And um you know, the, we just won one of we just won the breakthrough award for Javalia in the Nielsen conference. They told us that there were three thousand four hundred twenty-six new products launched, seventy hit fifty million in sales, and then the fourteen breakthrough winners, of which we were one of them, were the were, were of those three thousand four hundred were the new products that were successful for the first two years. Right. So that tells you, you, you know, you're 14 out of 3,400. That's that's what you're shooting for. So it's it, it isn't easy, um, but when you when you hit it, uh, nothing's better for your company, for your business, and you know, for your category. 
For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.